back to my living room and lost motor control and fell to the ground. Didn't lose consciousness, but couldn't move my arms or legs, so fell to the ground. And a couple minutes later, got up and texted my wife and said something strange happened. I felt you know, nauseous and dizzy and, and fell, and she suggested I go to the doctor. In the 90s, I had a pretty strong bout of what was diagnosed as vertigo. And so at the moment, I just assumed it was vertigo, thought no big deal of it, and uh, went to urgent care. Went to urgent care, waited almost two hours because of you know restrictions with COVID and things like that. But by the time the doctor had seen me, they saw nothing in my ears, nothing that would cause an imbalance, and just suggested that if I had another occurrence to go to the ER. I no longer really had very strong motor control. I rolled down the window and asked my daughter to call my wife and should have asked her to call an ambulance right away. But thankfully, we were near home and my wife came in and met us. By the time she got there, I had progressed quite a bit. At that point, could feel quite a bit of weakness in my left arm, left leg. And that's when, you know, through a number of, of meeting with specialists throughout the, the remainder of the day, both by my reaction in my left leg and my left arm, and barely visible pontine stroke on the x-rays after multiple neurologists had looked at it, they diagnosed that it was a pontine stroke. Hello, I'm Mark Goodyear, and welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. A pontine stroke is a stroke that affects the area of the brain known as the pons. As signals responsible for the body's motor control flow through the pons, a common effect of a pontine stroke is weakness on one side of the body. In severe cases, a pontine stroke can also result in locked-in syndrome. In this episode, we'll hear from Jeremy Ruter from Lansing in Michigan. Jeremy was 45 when he had his stroke in 2021. For work, I work for a institution of higher education here in Michigan. I've, my career has always been around education, education policy, so anywhere from early childhood to higher education. And work is in government relations, so do a lot of work around advocacy, lobbying, things along those lines. Prior to the stroke, hobbies, like to play basketball, ride bikes with my kids, reading, and a lot of things around technology, so computers, movies, things like that. I have two kids, married, spent a lot of time in the last 20 years focused on career and family is priority first. So it's always a balance between the two of them. Very physically active and like to do a lot of things that are intellectually engaging as well. I actually had five different episodes. That all happened within the same day, so not exactly sure which ones were possibly TIAs or when the stroke itself happened. But I had a pontine stroke, and the morning of December 30th, I was making my daughter a bagel at 10 o'clock in the morning. And as I was making the bagel, started to feel dizzy and had a feeling like I need to sit down. And I've had several people ask me the question since, did I smell burnt toast, which is associated with, you know, strokes. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I didn't smell anything burning. Just knew I needed to to get to a couch. And so when the bagel was done, I stood there long enough to get it, get it ready and have it on the counter and went back to my living room and 
lost motor control and fell to the ground. Didn't lose consciousness, but couldn't move my arms or legs, so fell to the ground. And a couple minutes later, got up and texted my wife and said something strange happened. I felt you know, nauseous and dizzy and, and fell. And she suggested I go to the doctor. In the 90s, I had a pretty strong bout of what was diagnosed as vertigo. And so at the moment, I just assumed it was vertigo, thought no big deal of it, and uh, went to urgent care. Went to urgent care, waited almost two hours because of you know restrictions with COVID and things like that. But by the time the doctor had seen me, they saw nothing in my ears, nothing that would cause an imbalance and just suggested that if I had another occurrence to go to the ER. By this time, it had been three, four hours and I went home. I picked up my daughter, took her to a medical appointment. And on our way home, we stopped at a grocery store to do a curbside pickup. And as the attendant at the store came and was loading the car up, I started to feel not well at the moment. I don't know how to describe it initially, but uh, just had told my daughter if she you know, could help the attendant, that would be helpful. And by the time they were done with the instructions, I felt so hot uh, that I felt cold. And that's the best way that I could describe it. But I no longer really had very strong motor control. I rolled down the window and asked my daughter to call my wife and should have asked her to call an ambulance right away. But thankfully, we were near home and my wife came in and met us. By the time she got there, I had progressed quite a bit. And my wife thought, well, this could be a stroke, but he seems pretty young for having a stroke and called the ambulance. And when they got there, I'd started to feel a little bit better, but getting out of the car was still kind of difficult. But they took me into the ambulance. And as soon as they got me connected to an IV and I was playing, I started to feel fine to the point in which I texted my daughter and I said, I'm good. Thankful that you, you had called mom. Everything will be fine. When I got to the hospital and they got me off the gurney into a wheelchair and took me to an admittance desk, lost motor control again. So I could hear everything, but I could not move or feel anything and could barely utter a word. I just remember hearing somebody say, hey, we've got a patient here with a 105 degree temperature and we have no beds. I have no idea if they were talking about me. I don't think they were, but emergency room was was very full. The next thing I remember, I was in the, I believe it was the CAT scan and felt like I was going to be nauseous. At this point, I was at least able to communicate that I was going to, to get sick. And so they started to pull me out. And funny enough, as they pulled me out, they started saying, sit up, sit up, sit up. And I couldn't. So unfortunately, had a moment where I, I got sick and of course ended up on, on me, but then they rushed to, to sit me up and they took me into another room. And when they got me in there, I was able to get up and walk and talk and everything felt normal again. So they got me back on the gurney. I don't know how long went by, maybe an hour or so. And another doctor came in and said, you know, it's possibly a stroke, but we think it's a thyroid storm. And they gave me some additional medication at that point. And as I was sitting there talking with that attendant, I didn't lose motor control this time, but everything got blurry, double vision, things along those lines. And, you know, as he was looking at me, he's like, he's having an active either TIA or stroke as we're sitting there. So more waiting, more tests. And then I had another similar episode, what I think was about an hour later. And then after 
several hours of tests that I know went until about 1 a.m. The next thing that I remember was getting wheeled into a hospital room by myself, was very tired, and then woke up the next morning kind of confused as to, to what happened. But at that point, could feel quite a bit of weakness in my left arm, left leg. And that's when, you know, through a number of of meeting with specialists throughout the, the remainder of the day, both by my reaction in my left leg and my left arm and barely visible pontine stroke on the x-rays after multiple neurologists had looked at it, they diagnosed that it was a pontine stroke. Following the stroke, Jeremy had a short stay in hospital. In total, I was there a total of three days. The initial recommendation was to do in-house rehabilitation, and I think in part because of the fact that it was right around New Year's and, you know, patients are already there. They were having trouble finding um, an in-house rehabilitation bed for me. And by the time they were able to secure a bed, I did make progress with my left hand and my left foot enough so that they were willing to discharge me and do occupational and physical therapy both at home and to go in for, for sessions. So I'm very lucky in regards to, to my stroke that I've have had pretty quick recovery despite the fact that I had limited use of my hand and foot while I was in the hospital. I was very lucky with uh, my employer. They were very supportive. Obviously, I had medical leave that I could utilize, but they were very much focused on you've got to take care of yourself before you can even think about work. So that alleviated a lot of individual stress for me. My profession has always been a big part of my life and not an easy thing to turn off. In fact, when I was in the hospital, a coworker who's not in my office you know, had emailed me and, and told me, stay off of email. Because while I was in the hospital bed, I was already thinking about work. And so just having that alleviated really allowed me to focus on my rehabilitation. The other, as I mentioned earlier, very focused on my family. I do a lot of things around the house, cooking, taking kids to school, things like that. And so that was on my mind as well. And so my wife picked up a lot of things as she always does before the stroke, but taking even more on after the stroke to really allow me to focus on the rehab. So I did occupational and physical therapy three times a week. And of course, because I wasn't doing the in-hospital rehabilitation, they gave me daily exercises that I needed to be doing. Thankfully, like the occupational and physical therapy, I just tried to create them into to games with my kids. They're, at the time, they were 11 and 8. We just made them challenges. They knew I couldn't do certain things and they'd be able to do them better. And so it was sort of a, a daily regime of going through my occupational and physical therapy exercises with them so they could not only see the progress, but it was more like a game in their perspective. My left hand did a lot of small motor manipulation with my my thumb and index finger just to be able to, to utilize them again and then strength building. Physical therapy was was doing... A lot of what started out early on is just walking from the kitchen to the dining room and back and forth and seeing small progress each day. Again, I'm very thankful that my stroke recovery, full recovery in some regards, at least physically, was feasible. I was able to do that in about three months. Required a lot of, you know, doing the daily stuff without the the medical support around me and just 
having family support to be able to do it. But lots of tests along the way, blood tests, swallow tests. I didn't end up having to do speech therapy, but speech tests. So it seemed like every day felt like two to three hours of medical appointments, not counting, waiting. My wife had to do all the driving because my left hand and my left foot, and of course, concerns of another possible stroke. So I have a hard time oftentimes understanding how somebody, if they had to work through rehabilitation or had to do a large portion of family responsibilities, how would they have the time to do not only the appointments, but the rehabilitation itself. So, you know, having a support system was was critical for my ability to regain physical function. Coming up, Jeremy talks about the stroke's effect on his sense of taste. Things I used to love to eat, not only because of my diet changes, uh, but because of taste. They don't taste the same. They don't taste nearly as good. Oftentimes I can describe things like tasting like rubber. So I had to change my my diet quite a bit. I monitor uh, how much fat I take in, things along those lines. And being kind to yourself and to those around you. The amount of time and energy that they have to put into not only supporting uh, the stroke survivor, but keeping a family system system going. And that could be very different from family to family. But the last thing is just be kind to yourself and to your family members because it's a long going process. I feel like I've recovered a lot in, in eight months and as easy as it would say to say that there's not a lot of lingering effects or visibly for others they can't see it um, it is still very much part of my my day-to-day let's hear how jeremy has managed his return to work i am back at work i was able to go back to work after eight weeks in part because my office uh, with having medical leave but also working with very supportive environments made certain that I was able to get as far along in my recovery as, as possible. Thankfully, my job uh, is a lot of interpersonal relations and technology. I'm able to, to leverage that with Zoom and Teams and things like that. So it's not required some of the physicality that I would have certainly struggled with in the first two or three months that some other professions might require. Work's been going good. People have been understanding my time away and, again, using opportunities to educate others about strokes. And time-wise, from a legislative and policy perspective, I was able to get back into work when our state budget was was getting underway. So from a mental engagement standpoint for work, timing-wise, it was good. And I think in the months after, even helped with my physical and some mental recovery from that point on to just feel like a sense of normalcy to have work back as part of my daily routine. Things I used to love to eat, not only because of my diet changes, uh, but because of tastes. They don't taste the same. They don't taste nearly as good. Oftentimes I can describe things like tasting like rubber. So I had to change my, my diet quite a bit. I monitor uh, how much fat I take in, things along those lines. Sometimes I have difficulty remembering people's names, people that I shouldn't have a challenge remembering their names of. Sometimes I'm, I'm more forgetful than I used to be. My wife were joining us. She would tell you that sometimes my reactions 
tend to be a little snappier. So if I seem upset, it's because of the way I react versus how I used to react. Sometimes my, my left leg or my left hand does not respond as quickly as I'd like it to. Uh, so it kind of takes you back to that moment of uh, not being able to use them the same way that you did before. But they're all fairly minor in that regard. I, I can't sleep. I was never a great sleeper before, but I can't sleep in or sleep long periods of time. I am pretty consistent at waking up at 5.30 in the morning. No matter what time I go to bed, it's just wake up early. It just seems to be my brain at, at this point says, get up. So uh, there's a long list of things along those lines that are all just not very dramatic, just different from life before the stroke. Jeremy thinks education is the key. I think advice that we give to anybody, whether it be a stroke survivor or a stroke um, family member, is just to read and learn as much about, one, how a stroke could happen and what likely possible issues that come around that. Obviously, there are some that are very dramatic that you can see right away, inability to speak, physical disabilities that that come along with that. So I think understanding that those are all possibilities, but I think also understanding some of the hidden things that you can't see right away, the challenges that go along with any physical or emotional things that occur because of a stroke, you know, understanding the level of fatigue. You know, for me, it was, will I be able to work the way that I did before? Will I be able to drive my kids to school Will I ever be able to eat food the way that I did before? There's a lot of mental fatigue that comes along with just even your brain thinking about those things without even adding in the time and the complexity that goes into recovery. So physical or speech therapy or even, you know, just seeing a therapist for the mental health side of things. So understanding there's a lot of things at play and having a support system that can help you out is critical. And I think, you know, with your question about for family members of a stroke survivor to understand that even if things look okay or feel like things are getting better, that there's probably a, a greater weight that could be there. And I just, I think understanding for family members of a stroke survivor, it impacts them as well. The amount of time and energy that they have to put into not only supporting uh, the stroke survivor, but keeping a family system system going. And that could be very different from family to family. But the last thing is just be kind to yourself and to your family members because it's a long going process. I feel like I've recovered a lot in, in eight months and as easy as it would say be to say that there's not a lot of lingering effects or visibly for others, they can't see it. Um, it is still very much part of my my day-to-day, me thinking about sleep, thinking about my diet, thinking about, as I describe, my wife describes my quick reactions on certain things, you know, how that impacts everybody. It's still very much part of my life eight months later, even though I'm doing very well. Although Jeremy's done well in his physical recovery, he isn't taking his progress for granted and is focusing on maintaining a healthy diet. 
Thanks for listening to Stroke Stories and for supporting us. There are four seasons of Stroke Stories to explore. Please do subscribe to our podcast and please do rate and comment on the episodes you hear and you like. And if you can recommend Stroke Stories to a friend who you think it might help, please do. And if you are or you know of a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, our DMs are always open on Twitter or Instagram. Please do get in touch. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening.